0: You're listening to the Ramble
1: Room. (laughs) You get it? Yeah, Phantom of the Opera. (laughs) Which is funny because that's what my story's about. So I remember in middle school... Do you remember how we would always go to the... (laughs) Sorry, this is embarrassing for myself. We would always go to the... (laughs) What? The high school to watch... Yeah, the the musical performance. Just the first act. Yeah, so do you remember... There was one year that the the high school did Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm pretty sure when we went to see it, I wanted to be cool. So I'm pretty sure I told my friend that my sister was dating.
0: What, like the lead
1: actor? (laughs) And so I don't know why I did that. I think it was like sixth grade for us, I think, for me. But I remember, like, lying about my sister dating the lead. Wow,
0: Eri, what a cool (laughs) story. You lied about Caitlyn dating the lead, one of the leads of Phantom of the Opera. I did. Well, that was a weird lie to tell.
1: I agree. And uh, yeah, when you started singing that, that's (laughs) immediately I went, oh,
0: I'll tell I tell that story.
1: <laughs> like I lied about that once, and what a stupid lie to tell because it doesn't even matter. Like nobody would care.
0: Yeah, I mean it's re- it's really strange. I gotta say.
1: Yeah, it's very <laughs> strange. And well, speaking anyway. of strange,
0: you know what we watched? <laughs> we watched Phantom of the Megaplex. Yep. And let me give you.
1: It's a well, movie, folks.
0: Let me give you the one sentence pitch.
1: Thank you. I've been wanting it.
0: A young man working at a cinema on a special premiere night finds that the films being shown are full of strange and eerie occurrences. Doesn't that sound good? Sounds like a great movie, huh? Ooh. Well, this movie was terrible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like most of the ones that we've been reviewing, it was terrible. It sounds like The early 2000s were just cranking out the good ones. And then as soon as they got to the later, later in the year, they Um, said... uh, I wouldn't say cranking
0: out the good ones. That's a stretch.
1: Now you listen here. What were some of the ones that were before this?
0: I don't know exactly. You can't even remember.
1: Was it Horse Sense in 2000?
0: I don't know. I don't think so. It was like 1999.
1: I think it was one of the first 2000s. I think you're incorrect. I'm looking it up right now.
0: Well, while you look that up, I'll get into the movie. Yes. There's the main character, Pete Riley. He's a 17-year-old working as an assistant manager at a giant megaplex theater. And my thought is like, what What 17-year-old is given the assistant manager position? Yeah. I was always given like floor
1: associate or sales associate. I thought it was illegal
0: that you know. had to be
1: 18 to be in a wouldn't, manager. Yeah.
0: Wouldn't he have to be some type of full-time position? And I'm pretty sure at 17... You can't technically really have a
1: full-time position, right? The first one of 2000 was Up, Up, and Away, followed by Color of Friendship. Horse Sense was the last one made in 1999. See? I told
0: you. Well, anyway, he loves this job. He's obsessed with his job as assistant manager. And this night at the theater is a big night because... His boss, the manager, Sean McGibbon, he convinced the...
1: Um, director?
0: Yeah, I think the director, but also the owner of the Megaplex. So there's the owner. His name was Wolfgang Niedermeyer, which oh, is yeah, an interesting name.
1: They only really call him Niedermeyer, though.
0: Yeah. And he basically set it up so that they could have the premiere of this new movie at their theater, Megaplex. Yeah. So it's a big night pete also has two siblings um what are their names karen and brian carol nope it's karen and brian all oh, right <laughs> <laughs> yeah 13 year old
1: karen and 10 year old brian it's like how do, how do you name your child like an old name you know what i mean yeah i don't know i feel like if i had a baby named karen <laughs> like, I just don't. Yeah, I can't picture like a
0: little baby named Karen.
1: I care, especially now.
0: Yeah, especially <laughs> since that name's associated with a whole other thing. Or Brian
1: either. <laughs> like a baby named Brian. Baby Brian. I could see baby Brian.
0: What are you talking about?
1: I'd be calling him Bry Guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so he's got two siblings, Karen and Brian. As I was saying, they both are going to the movies as well. But they're going. They're supposed to be going to see, I don't know what the movie's called, but it's like Farmer Brown or something. It's like a kid's movie. Yeah. And the 13-year-old Karen, she says to her mom, "Um, I want to go see this scary movie with my friends. We're all 13 and it's PG-13, so why can't I go? And the mom's super hesitant. She doesn't want her to go because she thinks there's probably going to be too much... I don't know what she thinks there will be. Maybe too much gore, too much language, whatever it is. Too much sex. She's oh, no. She just hasn't seen it, so I think maybe that's why she's hesitant because she doesn't Oops. know what's in the movie.
1: I mean, our parents did that.
0: Yeah, I guess. That's fine. But she also Karen also makes the point that she's seen worse things on the news, and honestly, it's, it's true. Point. It's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> they make this deal with the mom. Okay, well, can we go to the movies if we go see this kid's movie? The mom approves and she's going to go out with George, her boyfriend. Their father had passed away. And so the mom has been dating this guy named George and the kids really like him. They are thinking like, hey, are you going to maybe get married to this dude?
1: Yeah. Karen specifically is like, mom, you need to start dropping hints that you want him to propose.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So it's nice that, you know, the kids approve of. Of this guy. But I immediately thought, oh, George is going to be a bad dude.
1: Yeah, I did too. And and like <laughs> the way they made it, the way they set it up later too made it sound like he was going to break up with her. Yeah. And I was like, this feels weird. Yeah. So right. when he didn't inevitably, I was kind of confused. Right.
0: <laughs> also, one of the big characters is Movie Mason played by Mickey Rooney, which I was surprised to see him there.
1: I was too. <laughs> I also, probably one of his worst acting jobs, I uh, would say.
0: I mean, again, you look at the writing directors, they were giving.
1: Yeah, I guess.
0: The writing they were given was not top notch.
1: I think they really screwed up on the directors, because the, the other one we watched for this week, all <laughs> the actors <laughs> in it are, have yeah. like gone on to do other things and are good. Yeah. It's just in this one movie, it's not not it. So right. I think directors and script has a lot to do with it too, but it's just you kind of go what the, what
0: <laughs> mhm well his character is movie mason he actually owns the original theater he owned it sorry he was a former owner like yeah. his family mm-hmm. owned this theater for years and so they keep him around because he's almost like a staple you know name yeah. in that theater megaplex and he he's obsessed with movies but he also is not approving of where movies have been going, right?
1: Well, he just doesn't... It's not that he doesn't approve of where movies are going. It's that he doesn't... He doesn't like that it's become so money-driven. And he doesn't want people to pay for movies that are bad.
0: That's right. Yeah. Which... There's I, a bunch of bad movies out there that people are paying tickets to go which see. Which
1: is like, thanks for looking out, homie. But at the <laughs> same time, like, there's, there's a scene where... Is it... He's checking tickets or something? Yeah, because for the
0: premiere night, they have pretty much all hands on deck. And, and they're they c-
1: short-staffed because, like, three people called in, right. which is typical. So
0: Movie Mason is brought in to also
1: help out. Yeah, so he picks up, like, a whole line. And the other people that are running the line is a kid and then another kid who is in Mean Girls. <laughs> yeah, he's which, Jason. Which When I saw that, I was like, Jason? Jason, what are you doing here? I didn't know you worked at a the movie theater. But anyway, he opens up another line, and the line is being like held up. And we have um, Karen and Brian, because the compromise was that she, they would go to the movie with their brother. And Pete would have to bring them back. At, on his lunch. Right. So she could go <laughs> to the movies just with her little brother Brian. Yeah. Who's adorable and plays Allison Stoner's twin in Cheaper by the Dozen. Love yes. It. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, he's super cute in this. Yeah. But anyway, there's like a line forming, <clears throat> and it's backed up because A is premiere. Well, actually, the premiere doesn't happen yet. It's after? It's before the premiere.
0: Because there's still people coming in to see different movies. Before but the premiere. later, I think maybe at midnight is when the premiere of this new movie, Midnight Mayhem, is happening.
1: Gotcha. Which would make sense if it was at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, But... Little brother goes up to see what what's holding the line up, and Mason is just holding the whole line, saying like, "Don't buy this. These this movie's bad. Go get go see this movie." And they're like, "Okay, thanks for your opinion, but no. Yeah, this is the one we want to see." At that point, just let it go, Mason. But he doesn't. He's like, "This is a terrible movie." And it's yeah. like, "Chill, homie."
0: Yeah. Uh. So then, while they're setting up everything for this big night. The manager, Sean, is also kind of giving out orders. He's freaking out a bit. He's really stressed. He says to Pete, hey, you you are, like, helping out with everything during mm-hmm. this. He puts a lot of responsibility on Pete's shoulders.
1: Well, he basically says, <laughs> if, you, if this night doesn't go off without a hitch, I'm firing you and I'm blaming you for it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, he literally says, says
1: that. He says, I'm not taking the blame, which is the number one thing
0: a manager shouldn't do. Take the blame, the number one thing a manager shouldn't do is say, "I'm not taking the blame." Oh, okay, yeah, I'm pushing blame on other people. It's like you're in charge.
1: It's just the way you phrase that, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Another thing about the mom is she's constantly grammar checking her children. Oh yeah, and she's a
1: grammar Nazi. There's
0: nothing more annoying.
1: <laughs> just let them speak how they want to speak. <laughs> i I, was, I have like certain words that annoy me. Like when people say them wrong. I get it, but she does it so much. Yeah. It'd be
0: better if she did it maybe just once in a scene. But she does it several times in just one scene.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's like, that's really on you for not teaching your children (laughs) properly the first time.
0: There's also this random bully guy who we don't really see a whole lot of in the movie. So I just want to make... Yeah, his name was Donnie.
1: (gasps) Oh, that's right. And he
0: comes up. This is while the premiere hasn't happened yet. All these people are coming just to buy tickets for different movies. And the brother, Brian, is with Karen. They're standing there by this candy machine or this gumball machine. And he breaks off the lid by accident. Donnie comes over and initially he was being a jerk to Pete. But then he comes up to Brian and it seems as though maybe he's being nice. Yeah. But then it tur- turned real quick, and he was an asshole.
1: <laughs> yeah, that whole part confused me. But we didn't even talk about the beginning of the movie. They're introducing all the characters in its classic oh, main yeah. character voiceover. And he's literally introducing every single character. And he's like, this is Melissa Rounds, a.k.a. Maddie Mel. Yeah. Like, like every single person has, has an, an AKA. a.k.a. And it's like, okay, I've never, I've never gone and met somebody. And they're like, hi, I'm Ariana, a.k.a mad dog e like nobody does that nobody <laughs> but also like the title
0: the title screens for each of these it's so weird it's so weird it's the font, really font is gross. weird it looks like chuck e cheese lettering it's really it looks weird. like if you touched it it would feel
1: squishy <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> like,
1: it was a weird way good. to
0: introduce a lot of secondary characters that have no yeah no input to the like, plot there really. was
1: scary terry and she just tells scary stories <laughs> yeah i don't like, know what it's really stupid yeah, very dumb, and I can't believe that I forgot about it until the second. <laughs> so, while at
0: this gumball machine, Donnie turns into a jerk, and instead of helping with the plastic thing,
1: he ends up breaking the gumball machine. He,
0: he tries to help,
1: but while he's helping, he breaks it, and then he blames Brian. Oh,
0: that's right. So, he does try to help. Yeah. But turns around and But as soon it. as
1: something goes wrong, he's like, nah, nah, that's your fault, kid. Yeah. So Pete is
0: called in to fix this
1: problem. And how he fixes it is he gets a hockey stick.
0: Oh, God, I (laughs) forgot about this. I know. Oh! And then they pull out this giant trash can, turn it sideways so that he can shoot. (laughs) Yeah, shoot all these gumballs into the trash can with the hockey stick. But he's like, he's shooting maybe two gumballs at a time. And maybe one is getting in each time. It would take 15 hours for him to actually clean it up that way. Well,
1: that's the other thing is like there was a ton of gumballs on the floor and he only did like five or six like shots into mm-hmm. the bin and no way you cleaned it all up. But meanwhile, the whole people that were in the theater are just like standing there cheering him on. And but clapping. remember and then the, the and extras then at the end of the <laughs> thing, a guy comes up to him. He goes, nice job. And he pats goes, him. On that the was, the was sh- sweet. Oh, yeah. And pats him on the shoulder. But if you watch his mouth. He doesn't open his mouth for a second. He doesn't say it, it was totally voiced over and they were just like, eh, nobody'll notice. That was sweet. His mouth did not move at all. He's a ventriloquist. They do it a couple of times where there's a voiceover and nobody's talking and you just go, Yeah. Who Jesus Is, Who's saying that? Is God there? <laughs>
0: He's making all these comments.
1: (laughs) I do like, though, that Brian's first reaction when all the gumballs fell was to yell, it's the Phantom of the Megaplex, and run away. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) That was his immediate solution. Like, oh, that must be what's happening is the Phantom of the Megaplex is haunting.
1: Which is, you know, that's what Brian thinks everything is. He thinks that the place is haunted because that's what Movie Mason has told him. Yeah.
0: Which we don't need to really go into the details of it. It's just Movie Mason says this place has been haunted by a phantom. And that's basically the the main idea.
1: <laughs> it's because the the
0: theater fell down, yeah, something like that, it's, and someone died someone it. died while
1: the theater was being torn down, or something like that. Watch the first five seconds of this movie, and you'll know
0: and then I don't remember who it is. Oh, her name is Caitlin. Caitlin is this girl, girl that Pete really likes. Apparently, Caitlin is Pete's girlfriend, but no. I know, but that's what I'm saying is at the beginning, it seemed like he just has a crush on her. Mm-hmm. Then later he says, I've got, I've got to go find my girlfriend. When did they become boyfriend and girlfriend?
1: When he gave her, her the bow tie. bow tie. That's exactly <laughs> what yeah. happened.
0: So he finds Caitlin. She's already in a theater ready to watch a movie. Donnie comes over and apparently he's
1: with her. Well, so Donnie, we get like a weird backstory where... Donnie is always coming in and taking claim on things that I am good at or I yeah. want and whatever. Including so Caitlyn. Yeah. So so Donnie's been like trying to get with Caitlyn and so has Pete. So yeah. So he comes over and he's like, eh, it's my girl." <laughs> it's like, and okay. Pete ends up taking
0: off his bow tie cuz she she, Caitlin Caitlin she says something it. she she likes the bow tie. He takes off the bow tie and says, "Well, here you go." And pins it to her sweater.
1: Which, which doesn't look stupid. It looks very bad. Imagine wearing a cashmere sweater with a bow tie
0: just, just below the collar. It's really it stupid. It's terrible. Uh then mayhem <laughs> Midnight Mayhem mayhem starts everywhere in this megaplex. <laughs> the popcorn machine's going <laughs> berserk. The projectors are all a, a mess and at one point Pete is walking around trying to fix all these problems. And he goes into the theater and the people in the theater are just throwing popcorn at him. In my mind, I'm thinking, who would do that in real life (laughs) if a projector got messed up? Yeah. Then someone in the audience says, fix the projector. And they're so mad. (laughs) Brian is going around trying to help Pete.
1: Yeah, Brian. And well, that's the thing is that the sister Karen had a whole idea that she would leave the brother
0: Hang out with her friends. Hang out with her
1: friends, watch a scary movie, and then come back at the end. And if if the brother, Pete, can, came to check in, Brian would just say she was in the bathroom. Yeah. So then this girl comes to get Pete from the theater. <clears throat> Brian hears Pete talking. Yeah. And is like, oh, I'm going to follow him. He goes, tries to take care of it. The popcorn thing happens. Then Brian's like, oh, this is like, it's all happening because of the titles of the movies. Yeah. He so finds... Like,
0: he- Karen comes out of the bathroom because at one point she comes back in the theater and she can't find Brian. Yeah. So she can't go back
1: to her scary movie until she knows where her little brother is. There's a lot of chasing <laughs> between Karen and Brian and none of it matters. Yeah. There's also a cinema sitter. Who's yeah. like mad at an both unimportant Brian and
0: Karen. character.
1: It's like, why? Either way, we
0: finally get to Brian has been convinced that it's the Phantom of the Megaplex. Mm-hmm. He meets up with Karen. Finally, they both figure out, oh, the movie titles are matching the Troubles in the Megaplex. Right.
1: So like there's a movie called Cyclone and there's like a big fan that's blowing people out of the, <laughs> out of the which theater, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs>
0: yeah. Glimpses of Genevieve. There's only glimpses of what the What were, were the shots. other movies? I don't know how many. I don't really know what other movies there were, but those were the two main ones.
1: Hello, I am Joseph Drede, but you can just call me Drede. And I'm Trudy. And you are listening to QVCHS and NBCBCDFJ. Drede, I've got a beautiful product for you. I know that you are very excited about it. It's a
0: beautiful this. product? Wow. Well.
1: What's it, the product? What is it? What is it? What is it? It's a mirror. A mirror? What the hell is that? It is piece of glass that has extra reflective, so you can see yourself. So I guess it's a beautiful product if you are a beautiful person. How do you which even make it? All a of mirror? our listeners are beautiful. You but know, that's the crazy part. I have no idea how to make it. We just but sell it. It's just glass. Why do not you just get a piece of glass then? Well, because you can see through glass. This is a mirror yeah. that that it reflects you. How does that? How does that happen? I I genuinely don't know. It's really like. It's this like is- a camera. You know cameras. Yeah, I know what a camera it's is. It's like that. But live, you can talk. I don't understand how it works. I really have been emailing back and forth with this guy, Larry, who is selling. Larry? Them. Larry, he's been selling them. He's the one that's what? selling us this product. What? You're telling me we have vendors now? We always have. What? Remember um a few weeks ago. Suzanne? It was maybe a, maybe a Was this ago. something Suzanne put together and she wasn't telling us? No, Suzanne has been the one that has been reaching out to vendors. But remember, we did like the, 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 the... So um,
0: what? Now you've taken over since we fired Suzanne? Uh, somebody had to. I can't believe this. Now we have to hire someone? Yes. But we already took care of Suzanne, remember? Yes, truly, I can't forget
1: taking care of Suzanne. Okay. Well, I don't want to have to take care... Of another person. Well, we won't if we hire a good person.
0: I don't know. I can't trust anyone anymore. Not after what happened. Not after Jimmy.
1: <laughs> well, you can get these mirrors. How much are they? Guess.
0: You'll never guess. I do guess. I guess all the time. Just tell me. Is it's, it like 215 bucks? It's or something? only a dollar. Only a dollar?
1: That's not bad. But that's for a broken one. For what a, the a, hell? Why would I want a broken it, mirror? Because, it, have you ever, listen, it, it looks pretty cool. Does it make a good weapon? Mm-hmm.
0: Really? I mean. I guess it is broken shards of glass, isn't it?
1: Yes. Um, mm, maybe it's worth a dollar then. Full price, though, for a brand new refurbished one is like $700. Oh, okay. Well, that's a big difference. Yes, exactly. Uh, but you can get this at backslash the. the Duty, Toody?
0: Is that what you were going to say? I can't believe you were going to say that. (laughs) Trudy, get yourself together.
1: I'm sorry, it's Drudy Trudy. Per usual. Back to the podcast. So I was talking to my friends who listen to this podcast. And my one friend, Stephanie, she said that the way she envisions Drudy and Trudy are very specific, <laughs> like, Drudy has a big beard. He's, like, always ready for, like, the winter. <laughs> He's got fur coats. Like, she explained it. Like, I, I I'd love it her, if
0: someone did drawings because I can't draw.
1: I know. I'd love I it if someone her, did drawings
0: of Drudy and Trudy.
1: Like, I want to ask her for her description of both of them <laughs> written down so I can draw them. And then Trudy was, like, had blonde curly hair and always <laughs> has lipstick on her teeth. And, like, I thought that that was, like, so like accurate yeah (laughs) but I just thought it was kind of a cool thing so I want that's funny just a little shout out there I guess (laughs) anyway
0: well we get back to the movies quite literally (laughs) and there's also while this mayhem is going on I'm just gonna keep dropping mayhem because of midnight mayhem
1: yeah it's real funny angel is our cat we're
0: sorry about our cat angel won't shut up
1: he wants to be on the podcast, but we've told him multiple times Angel,
0: no. You wish you could be on the podcast, Angel. Don't you don't you? have
1: the big enough opinion.
0: Oh, he's got opinions. I've heard him. Listen, he's giving them right now.
1: Angel, come here. <laughs> this is your one shot to be on the podcast. Come here.
0: You want to be on the microphone? We don't have time for him. Well, we get a nice <laughs> random scene of the mom and George George gives this weird plant analogy that he keeps using throughout the rest of the movie where he says something about, uh, I think plants in their pot should be together. And it's weird oh. when another plant comes in the pot and starts entangling whole... twines of vines. And it's like, what he's are you like, doing? He's
1: like, oh, we really shouldn't uproot them if they're that happy, like, alone. They're doing this
0: analogy of why they're hesitant to get married
1: yeah it's really a dumb analogy and then they keep mentioning it throughout the rest of the movie which is what made us go oh he's breaking up with her yeah that's (laughs) what (laughs) I thought was gonna happen well
0: it doesn't happen
1: yeah we already blew that surprise and
0: then the mom she gets a call is it from Pete who did she get a call from Pete and repeat (laughs) Harry they're on a boat no Pete fell off who's left repeat (laughs) okay and repeat stop we're not doing this
1: (laughs) Angel, do you have something to say?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. So I think maybe Pete, Brian, one of her kids calls her. Angel's going to be talking in the background. But I think one of her kids calls her or she tries calling the theater to check on them and realizes chaos is going on. Well, okay, so Pete calls her and is like, hey, can you
1: come pick them up?
0: Right, because I can't, I can't leave for my lunch break.
1: Yeah, because it's <clears throat> so crazy. Because we've had we're understaffed, all this yeah. other stuff. So then after that happens,
0: she tells him to let Karen and Brian know to just sit on the blue bench at the front right. lobby, and she'll get them.
1: But then the car doesn't work.
0: Oh, that's right, the car breaks down,
1: so they can't come pick them up.
0: So then Karen and Brian go around earlier. Movie Mason had be- basically been fired by Sean McGibbon, the manager. Because of the whole ticket scenario. And he's in like the basement of the Megaplex. He's an
1: absolute weirdo creep.
0: He gives a long monologue to Brian and Karen about the magic of movies. It's bad. And then he he even like gives a Judy Garland reference, which was weird because that's also thunder. (laughs) This podcast is filled with background noises.
1: This podcast brought to you by the background. (laughs) Background sounds. Thunder, the Angel. The round's background sounds.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The round's background sounds.
1: Anywho. So he also
0: gives a Judy Garland reference, which is weird because they used to be in a ton of movies together. Remember? Remember that? Mm -hmm. Anyway, he basically gives this whole monologue just to say, I'm not the Phantom. (laughs) A waste (laughs) of a 15-minute scene just for him to be... Not the Phantom. Phantom. So, Kieran and Brian continue to search for who could be the Phantom. Every time
1: you say Karen, it sounds like you're saying Kieran. Kieran. Kieran Culkin.
0: Karen and Brian continue the search for who the Phantom could be. They then suspect Merle, the projector... Fixer. Like, repair technician.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because he said something to the effect of... They don't pay me enough to f- be the only one that knows how to fix these. Which, sure, I guess. Sense. It's a good theory. Pete also believes it because Pete, yeah. Pete now
0: decides, okay, we've got to get down to the bottom of who's messing with the theater.
1: And that's Brian's theory. Yeah.
0: So they run into Merle and eventually, I don't know exactly what happens, but somehow they, they end up discrediting this idea that Merle is the bad guy. So their next idea for how to solve this problem is... We need someone with a computer because we don't have iPhones in 2000, you know? Nope, 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 nope. So so they've got to go up to Sean's office, the manager's office, because it's the only place with the computer. And they're going to research spoilers online for the Midnight Mayhem movie because they suspect, okay, if we can't figure out who's doing the sabotaging... We need to figure out what their next plan is because the what next, their next movie is yeah the next movie is Midnight Mayhem and that hasn't come out yet but they can sh- research spoilers to figure it out.
1: We must find the saboteur. And then <laughs> you just gloss over my stupidness. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> then uh.
0: the then the mom and George show up. They realize Karen and Brian are not at the front of the lobby and they go in the theater freaking out trying to find their kids. That was a. You know, side plot. So while they're researching the spoilers in Sean's office, they find out oh, there's a big monster, like a dinosaur monster at the end, right?
1: Yeah, there's like a, the it's the the, the, the giant uh, dinosaur dinosaur that they have on the top of the thing. Because it's part of the theme it's of part Midnight of the theme Man. Of, yeah.
0: That. And then they realize, oh, this giant balloon at the top of the building is now missing. So yeah, where Niederm- the hell is it?
1: Because Niedermeyer shows up and he's like, hey, where's my balloon that That's I paid right. like a bunch of money for?
0: Right. Those things are expensive. And so they're trying to locate this giant balloon before the premiere of the movie mm-hmm. and before anyone gets hurt. And while they exit Sean's room, there's a a key found on the floor and Karen picks that up. Then they go up to the roof and they get attacked by the phantom. Mm-hmm. He puts a hood over all of them or like a giant blanket and then yeah. ties them up with rope, all three
1: siblings. And after that, it's a very long, like prolonged scene of them trying to escape from that.
0: Yeah. It takes way too long for them to cut the rope that's around them.
1: Also throughout the whole movie that we didn't manage, we didn't mention this but the manager just keeps disappearing every once in a while
0: oh yeah the manager so sean keeps disappearing but then they find him he's tied up somewhere he's, he's always tied like, up on the tied back up. of a
1: door and it, and he's been attacked and yeah he's like, i don't know who's got it out for us but blah There's, blah blah.
0: yeah he if that was the whole you know he suspected movie mason and then he suspects whoever else so sean's also getting attacked while this is going on then we get a weird scene while the kids are still up on the roof We get a weird scene of Mickey Rooney, movie mason, now doing a musical number at the premiere red carpet outside the theater. He does like this long, this
1: long song where he's just sort of singing. It's really stupid. And then like the lead actor comes out of her limo and she like knows him personally. And she's like, oh, he's the one who encouraged me to always act. I think maybe he's like her uncle. No, she just would always go to the movies there.
0: Oh, okay. And he kind of took her in.
1: Yeah, and then then because the the manager
0: who's been a dick John, to Movie Mason
1: is like, oh,
0: well, that's he's like, nice. well, I fucked up big time because I've been treating Movie Mason like shit this whole time. Yeah, yeah, I guess that was the whole point of that scene.
1: <laughs> but for whatever reason, they were like, yeah, hey, we got Mickey Rooney here, let's make him sing. <laughs> make so noise. then on the roof, I also noted
0: that the Phantom in all of these scenes moves at a faster frames per second. Did you notice this? That his motions are sped up and everyone else's are like at a normal pace. And they specifically speed up his shots so that he moves at a faster frame per second. I didn't. Well, it's really weird looking.
1: (laughs) I'll have to rewatch this.
0: (laughs) No, don't rewatch this. So then they untie themselves. The kids go down from the roof. They're still looking for this giant balloon. And
1: (laughs) what a weird sentence. (laughs) They, they come down from the roof, still looking for the giant balloon.
0: And then everyone is at, in the theater for like the premiere. Like, in their seats, ready yeah. to watch
1: it. Yeah, they're in their seats, ready to watch this and movie. Those,
0: they look up. And, and there's, the there's giant this
1: giant dinosaur balloon. Like Godzilla-looking <laughs> balloon. How inflatable.
0: it would even fit into the theater makes no sense.
1: They, well, they, they deflated it because it's oh. inflating in the, in the room. <laughs> That's what makes it look like it's creeping over the edge, is them re-inflating it. Which and, is like, uh, why wouldn't you just pull the plug? on that yeah I don't know
0: but then it starts coming out from like the top of the theater and attacking everyone who's in their seats at the bottom level of the theater
1: but then everybody's trying to escape and they try to run out the doors and the doors have inflated (laughs) balloon animal things penguin and uh, And and I don't know what else (laughs) like just blocking the doorway and it makes no sense (laughs) it's like how how did you all get in there and it inflate in enough time for you to just be stuck in there it doesn't make any sense
0: I know did we ever talk about what the key was? What was that too? Do on Sean's floor. Yeah. What was the key? Remember the key that Karen finds on his floor?
1: What was that for? <laughs> Do you remember? Oh, to get to to get to the upstairs to find the balloon. Oh, the roof. Mm-hmm. Okay. To get to the roof. Eventually, they had figured
0: out that the key on Sean's floor that Karen picked up is the one that unlocks the door to the
1: roof, well, which has the balloon. Well, right. Because they go they go like. How do we get up there get up there, and she goes, "Oh, I know," and she pulls out her key. She just kind of assumes, okay, I think, but we didn't mention that <clears throat> throughout the whole movie too. we see like kids trying to pull the sword out of the stone, <laughs> and <laughs> there's so many stupid plot points right, to this. that that makes that, no sense. That's like they were there because they needed something in the future to happen, but <laughs> in the moment, it's like why are you, wh-
0: i I think it's once again the theme of Midnight Mayhem as they had this sword in the stone. As a prop piece in the theater? I have no
1: idea. But it's like every 10,000 pulls, it will come free. And so Donnie ends up getting it. And once you get that sword out, you get a prize or something. It's really dumb. But how does Pete get it? Because Pete eventually gets the sword. That's the thing. Merle comes down and he's like, he's like pulling on it. Pete is. Oh, I have a better idea. And he opens the rock and turns the switch off. (laughs) That's so stupid. 100%. He's like, oh, it it, it comes so loose every 10,000 clicks, okay. but we, if we just turn it off, it'll come out.
0: And he uses this to attack the giant dinosaur balloon. He hops on top of it. A very dangerous idea because a giant balloon that's already sort of deflating is very
1: unstable. Mm-hmm. And then he stabs it with the sword. So, you know, just trying to get suffocated. Yeah. And also suffocating the people below him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. None of this is dangerous at all. It's as if a Macy's size blimp parade. Yeah.
1: Crashed down on humans and and killed you. The and weight somebody, of that is heavy. And then somebody jumped on it, stabbed it. It <laughs> yeah. deflated, and you're now underneath it, trying to find a place to breathe.
0: Yeah. And then the phantom shows up like behind the screen, the movie screen. And Pete goes behind the movie screen, and then they start swinging back and forth. And I said, "Why mess with stunt doubles when you can just have a screen that will show shadows fighting?" Yeah. It was like their simple way of having. Just stunt people who didn't necessarily need to look like the characters, but just be hidden doing stunts. Mm. So they're having this giant fight. And then in a very Scooby-Doo way, Pete finally beats the Phantom and they take off the Phantom's mask. Ooh,
1: thunder. Just for the reveal. And who is the Phantom, Ariana? I would have got away with it if it weren't for you meddling kids. It's Sean, the (laughs) manager. And that's the end of I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but quite literally. It's like Sean All right. Sean did this
0: whole thing because Niedermeyer, like what? He didn't approve of his ideas or he yeah. didn't he underestimated him and it's, it's so really stupid. Dumb.
1: And then okay, then then we get <laughs> Okay, so the proposal? Yes. Yeah, so they're like, "Oh, this is like kind of a crappy premiere now because the balloon is inflated in the theater they got to clean it up yeah and so the the george guy he <laughs> he basically is like well i have a movie ending for you and he gets down on his knee. no he doesn't does he get down on his I, knee i think he does he proposes to the mom he proposes to the mom and then she says instead of saying
0: yes she goes well how can i resist who says that in response to will you marry me will you
1: marry me I, how I, can i, I resist guess. how can i resist that i can't i'm you know growing old i don't i can't pull somebody better than you you know what i mean like how can i resist that proposal i don't I can't. <laughs> yeah it'd be funny if she said it really sarcastically just like how can i resist just, you know yeah I, I mean sure i'm getting up there nate pal so are you then this is when it's revealed pete
0: goes i really want i never got to hang out with my girlfriend tonight apparently now they're boyfriend and girlfriend that's the reveal of them being boyfriend and girlfriend. And I don't remember this ever happening with Caitlin. When? When was that established? I don't know. He gave her a bow tie and he didn't see her for the rest of the night pretty much.
1: Well, no, because she was following him around with the whole... Yeah, that after is After the balloon, after the she came, fiasco. Yeah, that's
0: true. She did come in later with her friend to help out. But it's
1: still... She had like two lines minimum,
0: maximum. <laughs> and then Pete says to I think during this whole movie, which we didn't really talk about, was Pete coming to realize, oh, I'm still a kid and I I'm should be 17. having fun. I shouldn't be a workaholic already. And yeah. his
1: siblings help him figure that out. Karen and Brian yeah. say, "You need to lay off and just chill out a little, Pete." I think that that also is a thing. This is like the oldest protagonist we've had. He's seventeen. Yeah, I know. That's why at first I was thinking assistant manager. How old is he supposed to be? Yeah,
0: most of these characters are thirteen, fourteen. It's
1: I mean, at least 17. he was
0: seventeen. That's closer to like. Oh, but then you know. Niedermeyer offers him like the
1: full time manager job, <laughs> which would not happen. At that a manager of the whole at seventeen? I no. don't know if that happens. Maybe it, it does. does. You know it's what? Illegal, Melissa.
0: If that you happened have to for be you, 18. oh yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: You have because you be have to have.
0: Yeah, if you're a minor, you have specific hours that you have to have, and you can't have anything over that.
1: Yeah, that's so no. That's a legal mess. Working forty hours (laughs) while you're still in school and all this stuff.
0: Well, yeah, he gets this job, and then Sean, like the movie producer, goes over to Sean and says, "Hey, I got a great idea for a movie. It's going to be called Phantom Phantom of the the Megaplex: Megaplex, The the Sean... Sean McGibbon Story." Yeah. Again, a stupid ending.
1: Very dumb. And then we end in a freeze frame with a CGI bird. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Could you imagine, though? <laughs> That'd be funny. But it does
0: end with Pete saying to the mom, hey, I think we all really need to be together tonight, which was also stupid. a stupid yeah. line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he convinces the mom to let... Karen and Brian stay up and stay at the theater with him.
1: Because it's the weekend the next day or something. Who knows? Anyway, (laughs) what was your moral of the story? Because I'm done with this movie.
0: My moral of the story was a line that I just wrote down. Where it was something Sean had said at the beginning. Where he goes, A service you can't beat puts a butt in the seat.
1: (laughs) Oh, God.
0: He made like this rhyming motto about if that's your s- moral of the good story. Good service brings in good traffic for your business. Yeah, that's a moral. Sure, right?
1: It's more like just business advice. Yeah, <laughs> what is this? Service is key. Hi, I'm Ariana. <laughs> and this is my sister, Dave Ramsey. <laughs> this is heck? my TED Talk on a service you can't beat. puts a butt in the seat. Put your ass in the seat. <laughs> um, My moral of the story would be if you hate your job, just screw everything up and somebody will make a movie out of it just unrealistically haunt your entire
0: building that you Um, work in
1: i could do that at jersey for sure for sure it's an old building
0: and it's small that that's more doable than a megaplex yeah the things that sean supposedly did makes no
1: sense it's like no human could actually do that he had an accomplice and we're gonna get a phantom of the megaplex too with this one (laughs) i sense a sequel coming 20 years later listen they did that with rap under wraps under wraps cool anyway well that's it see ya